This is Splice. When Jane Marnie at Private Media in Melbourne signed up for our newsletters a couple of weeks ago, she said she was about to set up a reader revenue practice for her company. Obviously, I was excited and I asked if she would talk us through her journey and the process every week. We decided to do a little reader revenue nerd fest on Splice Pink, and this counts as the first real episode. Tell us how it's going, Jane. Hi, folks. Great to be back and talking about reader revenue again. I guess this is really the first episode in this mini series, and I'm, I'm keen to get into the sort of guts of you know, what it is to set up and run a reader revenue team, private media, we're in the midst of hiring at the moment. We've just made a couple of great hires, actually, and I'm, I'm super keen to talk about what goes into setting up a team. But before I do that, I wanted to use this episode to kind of wind back a little, get a little bit more bigger picture and just kind of dive into why I think the reader revenue model is so great, how we use that model at private media, the kind of different versions of it, and just do a bit of reader revenue 101. I think most most people in the news industry are across it in one way, but it, it also just helps to kind of get back to basics and make sure we're all on the same page around the kind of language and that sort of thing that we're using. So yeah. As I said last time, I think that the reader revenue model has been great for journalism. I think it forces you to think about your community in a way that an ad revenue model doesn't really. And that's because when you create a news product with the goal of driving advertising dollars, what you're really going for there is a volume play. So you need as many people either reading your print product, which is you know where that business model comes from originally, or as many people on your website as possible. So you've got to kind of create this news product that's a real generalist approach. You know, there's something for everyone. But really, when when you're dealing in the ad model, you're essentially like a a middleman or stockbroker around people's attention. You're buying and trading attention of your readers to your advertisers. So the actual news product that you're creating isn't first and foremost the point of your business model. So there's this kind of disconnect between the journalism itself and, and the way you're funding that journalism. To me, pivoting over to a read of revenue model, really, it, it changes the news you're creating. Some journalists won't want to hear me talk about their journalism in this way, but you're essentially turning the journalism to the product itself. That is the thing that you're trying to sell to people. So it forces you to think about your journalism in a different way. And as I've said, in a way that I think is for the better, you know, if, if you're not creating journalism that's of value that people are willing to pay for, you're going to find out pretty quickly when you're not able to hit the kind of subscriber numbers and the revenue that you require to make that that model work. And, you know, as I, I sort of touched on this last week as well, the 10 years ago, the idea that we would get people paying for digital news in a meaningful way was a little bit laughable. But now, I mean, it's totally ubiquitous across the internet. You hit paywalls everywhere and we'll, we'll get to the kind of ethical issues around that in a tick. But, you know, th that's a question that I sometimes get asked is, well, are people, are people actually going to pay for this? Are there enough people willing to pay for news to support the industry? And obviously time will tell. But more and more so, you know, people are getting used to paying for any digital experience and doing that via subscriptions. You know, if you look at Netflix and Spotify and that kind of thing, I mean... 10 years ago, illegal downloads were pretty ubiquitous. You, you just don't get people doing that sort of thing so much anymore because 
you know, if, if the content's good and it's reliable, people are more than happy to pay a subscription and, you know, Netflix and Spotify, they're, they're almost like your gateway drugs, I guess, to paying for digital content. It's becoming more and more common for people to have multiple streaming subscriptions and to have multiple online products, whether it's like your Amazon or Audible, I guess they're the same thing. Yeah. The, or, or whether people are paying for apps. So once again, this idea, you see this often as well, like, oh, young people aren't going to pay for news and that sort of thing. And I mean, they're happy to pay for movies and music and other digital products. So I, I think the appetite is certainly there and it, it's just becoming more accepted and more commonplace. And there's been studies done that show that, you know, someone has a Netflix subscription or Spotify or that kind of thing, they're far more likely to pay for news. So I, I don't think the willingness to pay is really something to lose that much sleep over as long as the product is is up to par and is actually what the audience is after. I guess what what it does throw up though is those ethical questions around what does it mean if all the best news content and the most valuable information on the internet sits behind paywalls. And that that's really one for different news organizations to tackle. I mean you know, a lot of publications during the, the height of the COVID outbreak, I mean, depending where you are in the world, that's still going on. But in, in Australia, certainly last year, you know, a lot of publications were making their COVID content free. We launched a free COVID newsletter. It was a daily product. So there's, there's certainly that kind of emergency reporting that gets put outside the paywall. We have, for example, a morning newsletter the worm is a free product and to be honest i i mean i i'm biased but i i believe it's one of the best morning news emails around not just in australia it's it's a fantastic product and if if you're a really passive consumer of news and you're not after a full news subscription it's got everything in there for you so there are ways for news organizations to think about what content they do make free and it's it's just really nice symbiotic relationship between the reader or the potential subscriber and the news organization in that it's important to make sure that good information is available for free outside the paywall. People consuming that information though, that's the first step on their journey to becoming a subscriber. So it, it goes both ways. Yeah. I also like to think about how reader revenue forces us to think about diversity in newsrooms as well. I mean, the need for diversity in new newsrooms goes without saying in terms of being of value to your community. It's, it's very difficult to serve a community when your writers don't look like the people in the community that you're trying to serve. If you want to be a little more icy hearted about it, it affects the bottom line as well. I mean, it shouldn't surprise any newsroom if they find when they do reader surveys and that kind of thing that their readers might often reflect their writers. And if, if they want to expand and attract more readers from different demographics, a good way to do that, obviously, is to make newsrooms more diverse. So I think the reader revenue model, it really throws up a lot of questions, but it kind of it tackles a lot of problems within newsrooms as well.
So just if we if we get into a little more sort of what is reader revenue, I mean, obviously it, it, the name speaks for itself. It's revenue that comes from your readers, not advertisers, partners, that kind of thing. It comes directly from the people consuming the news. There's a few different directions that you can take it in. For example, at Private Media, we have three different publications under that banner. Crikey is our sort of most general news publication. It is the one that most heavily relies on reader revenue. We, we see about 97% of our revenue come from readers and we operate on a subscription basis. So, you know, you'll hear about memberships versus subscriptions. Memberships, you know, often there's, there's a much more community kind of feel between the newsroom and the readers. It might be that a lot more content's unlocked and available to the public and members see themselves as kind of supporting that mission. Subscriptions have a little bit more of a kind of, you know, it, it's a little bit more of a financial trade-off. There's, it's more of a consumer product in that instance. And that's, that's what works for Crikey. We have two other publications though that have pretty new reader revenue products. So Smart Company, which covers small business. We've just launched a new product, which is we're, we're operating on a premium model there, which means that most of our content on the website remains free. And then we have premium content, which in the, the instance of Smart Company Plus, which is the reader revenue product we just launched for Smart Company, the content is is more of an educational asset with really tangible how-tos and guides and that sort of thing for small businesses to guide them through different issues that they would face at all points of the um, business life cycle. So that suits having a lot more content out from behind the paywall and really making that content a premium offer to most consumers on the website aren't paying anything. And The Mandarin is our other publication under private media. So they have a similar model as well. It's a publication that covers the public sector. So the reader product is really a premium product that helps, you know, with people with their career advancement and that kind of thing. There's, there's a lot of different directions we can go in when we talk about reader revenue. Um, I'm super keen to sort of just talk about the pros and cons of the model and the, the different ways that we use it at private media. Yeah, and next week I'm keen to update everyone on how our hiring process is going. As I said, we're about halfway through it and keen to lock in a brand new team of reader revenue folks. Let me know if you have questions or thoughts. Um, I'm particularly interested in people who perhaps have listened to everything I said and totally disagree and why that is. Always, always very keen to get a conversation going around this sort of stuff. Thanks for listening. See you next time.